everybody doing? Oh, come on. Good morning. How's everybody doing? All right. All right. If you would, let's all stand if you would. And uh, we are going to start with Because He Lives, I Can Face Tomorrow. How many of you believe that this morning? Amen. You don't believe it? Get on board. All right. Here we go. Because He Lives. One, two, three, four. Come on, put your hands together. Come on, put those hands together. Help us out. Thank you. 
want you to wake up. If you're not awake yet, his love will awaken you. Amen. So it's time to wake up and praise the Lord. Your love awakens me.
so good to see you this morning. Let's take time. Everybody put a smile on your face uh, and tell somebody you're glad to see them. Let's fellowship for a little bit. Tell somebody how glad you are that they're here today, all right? If you would, you can find your place and go ahead and be seated. We've got a few announcements that we're going to go over. So glad you're here today. So glad that you're all here. Hey, it is so good to be here, and uh, we want to celebrate somebody. Uh, we had a special birthday this week. Brother Ken, this past week, turned 92 years old. Woo! Give us a wave, Brother Ken. Amen. So let's sing to him. Happy birthday. Here we go. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Brother Ken. Happy birthday to you. Ninety-two. I hope I look that good at 82. Amen. All right, Brother Ken, we love you. Hey, just a few announcements this morning. Uh, don't forget, uh, every Wednesday, we have a full slate of things going on every Wednesday. We start with Wednesday morning Bible study at 10 o'clock, 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. And so if you don't work and you're able to be there at 10 a.m., come on and enjoy it with us. We dive into the Word of God, and it's always very, very good. And then uh, Wednesday evenings, we always have a, uh, a great dinner. Miss Mary provides us a great dinner. Give her a big hand, as always. And then we also uh, have, uh, at 7 o'clock, we'll all split up, and the youth have a service in here, the kids have a service in the middle, and uh, the adults have Bible study in the fellowship hall. And for too long, we're going to have a new uh, building out here for our children to go into on Wednesday night. I don't know if you noticed that. We did get a, uh, we did get a slab poured this past week, and uh, they actually did that ahead of schedule. That's the first thing ahead of schedule, so we'll take it. Amen. So we're glad, uh, glad to have that, and that will be coming along nicely, hopefully. And uh, let's see, what else do we have? We always need help uh, on uh, Wednesday nights with children. Uh, we are blessed. Miss Cheryl runs a bus route. We always have uh, 30, 30 some odd kids, and uh, that is more than one person can handle. So we're always needing help on Wednesday nights with kids, especially. So see Miss Cindy or Miss Ginger if you can help on that. We also need volunteers for yard work uh, to help keep the, the lawn clean. Uh, you can see uh, Brother Gary Curry on that. Where's Brother Gary? Brother Gary Curry right there, if you can help on that. Uh, don't forget, giving can be done uh, in the envelope today. You can do cash or check an envelope, but you can also give online at giving.landmarktyler.com. It's a one-time setup on PayPal, and then you're set up and always ready to go there. 
Uh, we do have uh, somebody uh, here who is looking for a small piece of land to put a trailer on in this area, so preferably kind of Chapel Hill area, but just in this general vicinity. If you've got just a piece of land or know somebody that has one, come see me on that. That would help somebody out in our church family. And uh, then for, uh, don't forget tonight, we're starting something new, a movie night uh, tonight, and we're going to be uh, doing uh, season one, episode one of The Chosen. If you've not seen that before, and then we'll have discussion time after. Uh, and we're just going to uh, tr- do it as movie night. We're going to tr- start doing it once a month, the last Sunday night of the month. And uh, we're going to do it at 6 p.m. If you need child care, we'll provide that, but uh, you got to let me know, all right? So let me know if you need child care on that. You can bring some snacks. I'm going to have some microwave popcorn. we got some candy. Uh, but if you want to bring something else, you're more than welcome to do that. Uh, speaking of candy, we also need candy for the fall festival that's going to happen on Wednesday, October the 26th, all right? So if you can uh, go ahead and be bringing me candy, I'm keeping that in my office, and I'm trying not to eat it, okay? Um, and then life recovery class is happening today at 2 o'clock. If you have a hurt habit or hang-up, come and uh, work through that at 2 o'clock. And uh, I'll just be honest with you, all of us in this room have hurts, habits, and hang-ups, amen? So it's, uh, it's well worth it to come, all right? And I believe that is everything, so uh, let's all stand. Uh, oh, we got, a, we got a special today. I forgot about this, all right? Uh, come on up here, amen? Yes. Oh, yes, visitors. I tell you, the, the preacher don't get it right all the time. If you're a visitor, raise your hand. I'm sorry. We want to get you a card uh, to fill out. We won't, don't want to embarrass you, but we do want to give you a card. And so fill that card out. Put it in the basket uh, on your way out. And uh, we got a cousin over here. This is Julie's cousin, Miss Cindy. Amen. Uh, right there. Amen. Miss Cindy, we are glad to have you today. We got lots of Miss Cindy's here, so you'll you'll fit right in. Amen. <laughs> it's so good to see everybody. Let's all stand, and we're going to continue to worship with "There Is a Fountain uh, Full of Love." Amen. Oh, I'm sorry. No, somebody go out and get the preacher straight. Okay, I'm sorry. Sit back down. Oh, man, I got too many things going through my brain. Brother Richard Lanham and Miss, uh, Miss Tracy are going to sing for us a special amen. Give them a hand if you would. Good Lord. Jesus. 
be here, but more so to sing behind the desk, the Lord's desk, I call it. So we, I'm thrilled to be able to do that. And uh, sing like the older I get, the more I enjoy singing. And many years, I never, I never sang. Brother Lewis told me one day, he said, why don't you come up here and sing with me? And I said, Brother Lewis, I can't sing. Another one of our deacons in our church. And every time I sing, I think about Brother Lewis because if it wasn't for him, I would not be able to get up here. But I wanted to say that. And uh, over the years, we've lost people that we sang with. And Tracy and I sang over in the old church. We had a little uh, small get together we would sing we'd sing around the piano and so one day brother lewis had moved off and brother jerry had moved somewhere else and we used to call ourselves the sogum bottom boys we sang a quartet but we had a lot of fun we enjoyed it but i said tracy she sang you know in the praise team with us she said she looked and she said uh do you think you'd like to sing I said, I know I'd like to sing. And so I asked Tracy if she would sing. She said I would be glad to. And so that's why we, we sang together and we enjoy it so much. One day I asked her the other day, I said, we need to sing again. And she said, you know what? You're not waiting on me. And what does that, what does that tell you? And that, that's the way we ought to be when the Lord asks us something to do. We need to do it. So I am thrilled to be here today and also to be with Brother Ken all of these years, I tell you. And what a soul winner he's been. What a special person he's been. And for any of you that are visiting our church, we'd love to have you. If you're not going somewhere else, we have a lot going in our church. All different. We have so many kids. We have ministry, brother. When he preaches, he preaches from the Word. When he teaches, he preaches from the Word. He is so good. And Julie is so good to sing with us and play for us on the piano. I just, I just thrilled today. Today is my day, I guess. Amen, Amen brother. Well stated. Amen. Well stated. All right, now you stand up. The preacher's going to try to get it right, all right? can stand and uh, we are going to sing there is a fountain filled with blood amen
spilled for us. And God, it paid a debt that we could not pay, Lord. It, God, it was uh, done for you and for me. God, we thank you for your love. We thank you for the blood of Jesus who covers all of our sin. And Lord, we pray right now, God, would you just move in an incredible way. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to move in this service. And God, we thank you for everything that's been sung. And now we pray for everything that's going to be conveyed. Lord, move me out of the way. Let your Holy Spirit flow through me. Lord, forgive me of my sins. Wash me in the blood of the Lamb, Jesus. And God, let me be an empty vessel to be used by you. And Lord, help me to speak exactly what you want to say this morning to our hearts and our lives. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. You may be seated. Give the Lord one more clap offering if you would. Amen. And uh, we have Children's Church now. So if you've got children that would like to take advantage of that, 
uh, send them on over to meet Miss Cindy and Miss Ginger over there. Give our children's workers a big hand if you would. Amen. All right. Awesome. Well, today's the last uh, message I'm going to preach on um, worship, right? We've been talking about worship all month, and I'm going to end it up today uh, talking about worship, how worship fits into his plan, his purpose. And I don't know if you know this, but everybody in this room, uh, a big question I get asked a lot of times, well, what's God's will for my life? What's God's purpose for my life? And can I tell you this? I don't know what it is individually. Uh, there, there are specifics to everybody's uh, God's will for everybody. Uh, but I can tell you this beyond a shadow of a doubt. There are some generals that are God's purpose for everybody in this room. If you're a believer in Christ, and one of the main ones is this. God's purpose is for you to bring God glory in everything that you say and everything that you do. If you read the book called The Purpose Driven Life, the very first line of it is, it's not about you. And I know that's a hard thing for many of us to grasp many times because you live your whole life kind of based around the fact that it's about you, all right? But God says it's not about you. It's about how can you bring glory to the name of God, amen? How can you bring glory to him? And so worship is a part of that. Who is worthy of worship? God, God alone, amen? He is the one worthy of worship. And in fact, the Bible talks about how he is a jealous God, amen? In fact, one of the Ten Commandments is what? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And so he is a jealous God. Everybody that wants to say all roads lead to heaven and it, it, it's whatever your God is, that's not true. They're not reading their Bible. Uh, you can go all the way back just to the very basics, like I said, the Ten Commandments. He says, I'm God. I'm God all by myself. There is one God, Jehovah God. And he says, there will, you will have no other gods before me. Now, you may say, well, I'm, I'm good on that. I don't worship any other gods. Man, <laughs> maybe not, all right? We're going to talk this morning a little bit about idols. You may say, well, I ain't got no idols at my house. You know, I don't have any of those little carved wooden gods, or I don't have a little fat Buddha sitting on my uh, deal anywhere. Guess what? Uh, I'm going to tell you today and show you that an idol really doesn't have anything to do with a carved deal. We all have idols in our life, whether we realize it or not. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight is worship and the fitting into his plan and his purpose. And we're going to be in the Old Testament today, so if you want to turn to Ezekiel chapter 14, Ezekiel 14 verses 1 through 11. And so this is 11 verses, it's going to take a little bit, but uh, I want to just kind of set the tone. It says this, now some of the elders of Israel came to me and sat before me. And the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, these men have set up their idols in their hearts. Now I want you, there's specific lines I want you to pay attention to. One of them is, they uh, have set up their idols in their hearts. When you have an idol, it's not a little fat Buddha on a shelf. When you have an idol, it's something that's happening in your heart. It's a division of love, love that should be reserved for God and God alone and God above. It's when you put something in your heart above God. All right, that's an idol. And put before them that which causes them to stumble into iniquity. Iniquity is just a big word for sin. Should I let myself be inquired of at all by them? Verse 4, therefore speak to them and say to them, thus says the Lord God, every one of the house of Israel 
who sets up his idols, here's the other line, in his heart and puts before him what causes him to stumble into iniquity. All right, underline that. What causes him to stumble into iniquity. And iniquity, again, is another word for sin. So the thing, that, the thing that's in your heart will cause you to stumble into your sin. So you're beginning to see that an idol can be just about anything. In fact, anything that is associated with sin can become that idol in your life. In fact, we could say anything that you struggle with, any sin that you struggle with, any addiction that you struggle with, any, uh, anything in your life that you struggle with, it's an idol. It becomes an idol in your life because we begin to put it above our worship of God, all right? Uh, and puts before him what causes him to iniquity. And it comes to the prophet, I, the Lord, will answer him who comes according to the multitude of his idols. Verse 5, that I may seize the house of Israel by their heart because they are all estranged from me by their idols. Underline that. They are all estranged from me by their idols. What does estrangement mean? If you're married and you are estranged from your spouse, what does that mean? Separated. Okay? So, in other words, what does our sin do? What do these idols that get into our hearts do? They separate us from God. All right? They estrange us from God. And the word estranged is very important. Mark that because we're going to come back and talk about estrangement. Estranged is usually a word you use with marriage. And guess what? Uh, God also... Uh, one of his main descriptions of our relationship with him is a marriage relationship. All right. Uh, going on, verse 6. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, here's what the Lord God says about these idols. Repent. Not confess. Repent. Y'all remember what the difference between confession and repentance is? Confession is real easy because I just say, God, I messed up this time. But guess what, God? I fully intend tomorrow to go back and do the exact same thing. And we can confess all day long, but without repentance, confession means nothing. Because... If we just confess, we're just constantly repeating it over and over and over again. Repent means I recognize it as sin, and Lord, I want to change it. I want to turn away from it, all right? Repent, turn away from your idols, and turn your faces away from all your abominations. Verse 7, for anyone of the house of Israel or of the strangers who dwell in Israel who separates himself from me, big M, who's that? God, and sets up his idols in his heart, and puts before him what causes him to stumble into iniquity, then comes to a prophet to inquire of him concerning me. I, the Lord myself, will answer him by myself. Sorry. Uh, verse 8, I will set my face against that man and make him a sign and a proverb, and I will cut him off from the midst of my people. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. And if the prophet is induced to speak anything, I, the Lord, have induced that prophet, and I will stretch out my hand against him and destroy him from among my people Israel. Now, here's a, here's a line to the preacher. He says, you know what the idols in your life are. You know what the sin in your life is. Do not try to excuse it. And if the prophet or the preacher just wants to help you excuse your sin and does not stand up and say, that sin, and the preacher does not call it out as sin, then I will judge the preacher also. That's a pretty stout line to the preacher, isn't it? So in other words, my job is to tell you the truth. I know that's not comfortable all the time. I don't like telling you the truth all the time because many of you, it's, it's painful. 
I especially don't like to tell you the truth when it's something I struggle with. Amen? Because then I'm preaching in the mirror to myself. But God says, your job is to tell the truth. Your job is to preach the truth. And if you don't do that, I hold you accountable. So I can never, there are many denominations today where the preacher will say, ooh, I, I'm not going to preach on that because that might offend somebody. Guess what? You ain't going to have much to preach about if you're worried about offending somebody today. Amen? My job's not to worry about whether it offends you or if it even offends me. My job, as I've told you many times, is I'm the mailman. And I am to deliver the mail to you. What you do with the mail, once I deliver the mail to you, that's your business. But I have done my job by delivering the mail to you. And the mail sometimes ain't pleasant. Sometimes the mail's wonderful. It's a letter from your sister or your brother. Oh, isn't that wonderful? Here's a Christmas card. That's wonderful. But guess what? In the same mail, bills show up. And something says, comes, shows up in the mail, says, you're going to be sued. Or you get that lovely envelope with that beautiful IRS across the top. Don't you love when that one shows up? So the mail can be pleasant. It can be unpleasant. But it's, it's whatever it is. It is what it is. All right? And so my job, I'm going to get If I stand up here and I don't give you the full truth, then I'm going to be judged on that. All right? So I, I'm sorry. I've got to do what the Lord tells me to do. And many times, like I tell you, if you got a problem with the Word of God, you got a problem with Him. You don't have a problem with me. I'm just telling you what it says, all right? All right, then the last two verses, verse 10. And they shall bear their iniquity. They shall bear their sin. The punishment. Ooh, that's, a, that's a bad word too, isn't it? The punishment of the prophet shall be the same as the punishment of the one who inquired. That's tough on me, all right? And verse 11, the last one, that the house of Israel may no longer stray from me, nor be profaned anymore with all their transgressions, but that they may be my people and I may be their God, says the Lord God. Now, let me say before we go any further, a lot of people say, oh, that's Old Testament. Do we really even have to pay attention to the Old Testament? Why, why is the Old Testament even in there? I know a lot of Christians, they don't ever read the Old Testament. They only want to read the New Testament because they say Jesus came and now we're under a new covenant, we're under grace. That's true. But why is the Old Testament still in there? Because we are to learn from it. The Old Testament, if you, it's like history. I know not everybody liked history, but what would the history teacher tell you? If we don't learn from history, we are doomed to repeat it. All right? And the children of Israel, all of this stuff, when you go back and you read all of that about the children of Israel, that's just a picture of the church today, you and me. Because the children of Israel had a hard time getting it right. Well, guess what? We still have a hard time getting it right. They still would serve God for a while. Then they'd get distracted and they'd leave God for a while. Guess what? Still the same story today. All right? And guess what? Jesus himself said, I did not come to do away with the law. He didn't come to do away with the Old Testament. He said, I came to fulfill the law so that you no longer have to be bound by it. But the law is there for a reason. You know why the law is still there even after Jesus spilled his blood? Because the law shows you where sin is in your life. The law is like the fence line. It shows you where the fence line is, all right? So we need the Old Testament. So don't, don't just tune me out because you say, oh, oh, oh that's Old Testament. Now, we're going to see about this worship of idols, all right? Here's the clues of an idol in your heart. Number one, presumption. Presumption. And each one of these will have scripture, and a lot of them are from what we just read. Uh, the verse on this one is Ezekiel 14.3. It says, Son of man, 
These men have set up their idols in their hearts and put before them that which causes them to stumble into iniquity or into sin. Should I let myself be inquired of at all by them? Um, what happens when you get an idol in your heart, you will begin to cater to the idol. You will begin to make plans how to sin and how to excuse the sin. Now, here's what I discover about us as human beings, and I include myself in this. We are the masters of justification. Well, I know you got this sin, and that's a terrible sin. I don't even know how you could do that. But I got this in my life, and me and God, we got an understanding. He knows that I struggle with this, and he knows he's okay with it, and he's okay as long as I only do it on the Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Uh, he's okay. As long as I'm good on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Sundays, uh, he's good with it. And uh, me and him just kind of have an understanding about it. Listen, I, you cannot justify your sin. There is no justification for our sin. The Bible says this, that we are without excuse in our sin. Let's just call it like it is, y'all. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. We're all sinners in this room. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The one who says that he is without sin, we just read it in Sunday school. He is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Okay? So we're all struggling. When, when people realize, a lot of people don't want to come to church because they think all, the, all of the Christians just want to say, well, we got it all together, and you don't have it together, and so you need to get it together before you can come in here. That's not what church is like at all. You know what church is like? I'm the chief sinner up here. I'm the chief beggar saying, hey, y'all, I found a piece of bread. I'm hungry, and I found a piece of bread, and I want to tell all of y'all where they're handing the bread out. Because there's somebody giving out bread that's the bread of life. And once we eat of that bread, we will never hunger again. And there's, he's also giving out water, and it's the living water. And once we taste of that water, we will never thirst again. That's what it is. I'm just one beggar up here telling another beggar where to get some bread and water. That's what the church should be. Now, unfortunately, and maybe justified or not, some people have the attitude of why they don't come in that door because they'll all be looking down their nose at me. Because they got it all together, or they think they have it all together, and I don't have it together. Can I tell you this? The truth of the matter is, nobody in this room has it together. Starting right here. Starting right here. Amen. I ain't nothing special because I'm the preacher. I'm still trying to figure out why the Lord called me to preach. Amen. I'm still trying to figure it out. So if I know if I'm figuring it out, you're trying to figure it out. Amen. But there's nothing special on my life other than God put a calling on my life. But I'm still flesh and blood. I'm still a sinner. And I still struggle in the same ways that you struggle. Amen. So that should be good news for all of us. We're just a bunch of beggars trying to tell another beggar where we can find some bread and water. Amen. And can I tell you this today? If you're looking for that bread and water and you're not sure how to find that bread and water, when we, when we have a response time, come up here and talk to me. I would love, it would be my honor and my privilege to introduce you to the one who can give you the bread and water. Um, can I tell you this? It doesn't matter what your sin is. Now I'm going to name some sins and some of them are going to be the primary sins that we all look at, and then some are going to be sins that you go, oh, no, wait a minute. That's too close to home. Drugs. That's right, Brother Mark. Preach it. Preach it. Tell about them drugs. Dirty drug people get them drugs and sticking drugs in their body. and oh, Sinful people. Sinful. Terrible, terrible. How could they do that? 
Alcohol. Yeah, dirty, rotten alcoholics just can't lay the bottle down. They're terrible, terrible. How could you do that? Overeating. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a minute, Brother Mark. You know what gluttony is? One of the seven sins? Gluttony, this is going to be painful to hear, means eating more beyond what you need to satisfy yourself. Oh, boy. Yeah. That's a tough definition, isn't it? Because if I stop eating beyond what I need to satisfy myself, I'm going to say about every day I pass that up. Amen? Because I, got, I love the taste of food. Amen? I love food. Amen? And guess what? It may not be drugs. It may not be alcohol. But guess what? Every one of those sins is killing you from the inside out. And that's why God says it is not good for your body. All right? Now, you may say, well, bless God, I'm not a drug addict. Bless God, I'm not an alcoholic. But guess what? It's the same sin. Sin is sin. Let's quit excusing it and just call it what it is. Amen. Sin is sin. Amen. All right? Gossip. <laughs> now, Brother Mark, I don't gossip. I got a lot of really good prayer requests. <laughs> but I don't gossip. All right? I got some really juicy prayer requests, but I don't gossip. Listen, Christians are the best at wrapping uh, gossip in prayer requests. And it don't make it spiritual just because you say, let's pray for this. And I'm going to tell you every single little juicy detail. Can I tell you this? When you really want to pray for somebody, you don't err. Any, it's not your job. It's not my job. And you've crossed into sin. The minute you want to start airing somebody else's dirty laundry, you've crossed into sin. And it is no longer a prayer request. All right? None of your business, none of my business. All right? Um, Uh-oh, not tithing. Mm, I knew the preacher. I knew where he was going. Amen. <laughs> Listen, God says, I will give you enough, and it will sustain you. All I ask is that you give me 10% back. And he honestly says it this way. It's not even yours. He says it all belongs to him. But he's going to let you live on 90%. He just wants 10% back. When we get that straight in our mind, well, that's my money. I worked for that. You want to get the, the blessing in the hand and the, uh, uh, the uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The uh, anointing of God moved off of your life? Just say, God, thank you, but no thank you. I'm going to do it my way. And God will, God's a gentleman. He's not a beggar. He'll say, okay, that's fine. I'll just take my hand right off of it. You don't want God to remove his hand of blessing and anointing from your life. Amen. And we could go through testimonies all over here. I don't know how I can do it. Here's what the world says. There's a scripture when God said, uh, when, when it says that you cannot serve God and mammon. And mammon in the Old Testament was the God of money. And so Jesus shows up and then says, you can't serve God and the God of money over here. One's going to have your heart. And with most of us, the mammon has our heart. The God of money has our heart. And again, this is what we're talking about. An idol is not an image. It's not a little carved thing. It's what have you put in your heart that you have put above God. And when you say, God, thank you, but no thank you. I got this on my own. I earned it, and I'll get back with you later, but I can't afford to do that. I can't do that because i got to pay a house payment. i got to pay a car payment, and I can't possibly give you 10%. 
then what you've just said is, God, you just moved to second tier. I got this God of money. It's my idol. It has taken a place above you. Now, you may say, no, now, come on. That's not what I'm saying. It don't matter because what you say with your mouth and what you do with your actions, what really matters, it's the actions that speak louder than words. All right? All right? Um, Overspending. Buying stuff you really ain't got no business buying. And can I go back to the tithing? The reason most of you can't tithe is because of that one right there. Because God says, you want to honor me with your financial household. And many of us cannot get our financial household in order. And God says, I want you to honor it with me. I find this. The minute I got my financial house in order, when Julie and I got our financial house in order, then tithing became a lot easier. Because I wanted to honor God. And I... God gives you a certain amount of money to live on, and quite honestly, there's a lot of things that you want that you probably can't afford because God says, I've given you this specific amount of money. You need to learn to live on this amount of money. But we don't like that, especially not in America. America says, come on down. We'll give you one of these little plastic cards. And, man, we no interest for a year. You don't even have to pay anything on it for a year. But you know what happens at the end of that year? Woo-hoo! The bubble blows up, Amen. All right, I'll get off of that one. Work, work. Some of you wear work like a badge of courage. Let's God, I work 80, 90, 100 hours a week. That's not necessarily a good thing. Your family needs you. They don't need more money. They don't need more stuff. Everybody says, well, I want my kids to have it better than I had it. Well, you didn't have and you turned out just fine they can probably survive on a lot less the reason that we've got problems every generation is not the younger generation's fault it's our fault because we wanted them to have it better and what it ended up doing is we just end up making it easier and easier every generation and they don't know how to do some of the things basic life lessons they needed to learn how to do when they were younger amen and so we need to understand your family your wife your spouse they need your t-i-m-e your kids they need your T-I-M-E. Amen. And when we are, when work becomes our idol, then we're usually not giving enough time to those things. All right? Sports. How many of you know when the Cowboys are playing this? <laughs> Miss Judy does. Miss Judy, you was the last one I was going to pin that one on. Amen. <laughs> All right. But hey, that's it. Sometimes even, even the entertainment things of our life. We can just put them, boy, they become, it's real easy to let those things uh, kind of get up too high on our list, okay? All right, so the first thing, the clue if you have an idol is presumption. Number two thing is what we talked about, estrangement. All right, estrangement. Uh, in the Hebrew, this is referring to a husband or wife uh, living with someone else in an adulterous relationship. So again, uh, estrangement is talking about a marriage relationship. And it says um, that basically uh, you are estranged from God. It means basically what it's saying is, and I'm just going to put it as bluntly as I can, sin in your life is basically spiritual adultery. When we begin to let sin reign in our life, we are literally having an affair on God. God puts it this way. The, the main way that God described his relationship with us, if you'll remember this, uh, Jesus Christ is the... Uh, bridegroom and the church is what the bride okay and he says whenever you are estranged from me then you are having spiritual adultery you've left me for the love of another 
whatever that is. We just listed a bunch of them. But you have left your first love. That's what he meant. Remember, he tells the church at Laodicea, you've left your first love, which was me, and you've gone to another lover. Okay? Now, you may say, well, that just sounds a little bit strange. But that's exactly the intimate relationship that he wants with us. And so it best describes us uh, that when we, when we are entered into sin, we are having an affair on God when we divide our love for him. He says he's a jealous God. You'll have no other gods before me. He makes no bones about it. All right? Um, God says you are married to me, but you are sleeping with an idol. All right? Then what's another clue? Number three, spiritual deafness. So as we begin to put something above God, and as we begin to put that sin above God, and we like that sin, and we don't really want to leave that sin, because the problem is, again, as you've heard me say many times, sin is fun. Anybody tells you it's not fun is lying, and uh, they ain't doing it right, because sin is fun, all right? That's why it's so popular. Everybody does it. But as we get into our sin more, we will begin to listen less and less to God. The further we get into our sin, the more we become spiritually deaf. Um, uh, with sin in our life, we turn down the volume of the Holy Spirit, and we turn up the volume of our sin or our idol, okay? You've heard me say this many times, you know, we, we, we like noise. In the Bible, it says when you want to be close to God, it tells you to go, go get alone, and it tells you to find a quiet place, and it tells you to be still, remember, and know that I'm God. Be still and be quiet. And many times it describes God's voice as a still, small voice. And so you don't need a lot of clutter. You don't need a lot of, no, a lot of noise. But what do we do in our culture? And I'm guilty of it as anybody. I walk into the house, first thing I do is pop the TV on, if I'm alone especially. Because I, I may not even be watching TV, but I just want the noise. Why are we so afraid of quiet and noise? Because I believe deep down we know that that's when God wants to talk to us. And so I don't really want to have a conversation, God, right now, because I know you're probably going to talk about something I really don't want to deal with right now. So I'm going to turn some noise on. And I, I don't, I'm going to turn the volume down on the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to turn the volume on the world up. And that's what we do. We become, and the deeper we get into our sin, the more we do that. We become spiritually deaf. Why do people, when they backslide, what's the first things they do? Number one, stop coming in those doors. Number two, they stop reading their Bible. They stop praying. They stop hanging around other Christians. Why? Because that all reminds me of what I don't have right in my life. It reminds me of the things in my life that I need to get right, and it makes me uncomfortable. A lot of times people tell me that. It'll bless your heart as a preacher to hear, Brother Mark, I, I like your preaching, but I, I can't come. It makes me uncomfortable. That's what it's supposed to do, Amen. That's called the Holy Spirit. Don't blame me. That's the Holy Spirit. Amen. But it's because if things are not right in your life, and guess what? I can preach one sermon, and everybody in this room will be dealing with a different thing in their life, and I can come and two people will tell me two totally different things. Brother Mark, I didn't know you was going to preach on that subject this morning. That was right to me. Amen. This person will come up and say, Brother Mark, I didn't know you were going to preach on it. And I'm like, that was not the subject at all. It wasn't that or that. But it's just, that's the Holy Spirit. He just takes the word of God. Because here's what's happening. When something's not right in your life, the Holy Spirit will use anything I say sometimes to convict you. Because you're in an environment where the Holy Spirit has some room to move. Amen? And when he moves, 
it's particular because that's what's on your mind and your heart, your heart because that's what you know is not right at this time. All right? So spiritual deafness. Unclog your ears. Amen? Uh, when we begin to go away from God, we cannot honor God. And you will think you're honoring God, but it's the demonic spirit behind the idol. Now, you may say, oh, Brother Mark, you just got all Pentecostal on me talking about them demonic spirits. Amen? I'm telling you, full-on Baptist mode right here. Amen? Demons are real. You can talk about everybody wants to believe in heaven. Nobody wants to believe in hell. Everybody wants to believe in angels, but nobody wants to believe in demons. You can't have one without the other. Amen? So here's the thing you've got to understand. Uh, the devil will take things in your life, and he will lie to you. Now, that, that spirit that says to you, well, you know what? God understands. God's okay with it. And it'll come to you as the voice of God. I've had people tell me this. I had an affair with my secretary, but we pray together. I've had that said to me. But, but we, we read scripture together and we pray together. And yes, we had an affair outside of our marriage, but I think I found the one. I think this is the one that God really had for me and I just missed it. And so I swear to you, God's speaking to us. And my response to that would be, somebody's speaking to you, but it ain't God. Now, what is the Bible? I know it's kind of funny, but let me get serious with you. What does the Bible say that the, the uh, characteristics that the enemy takes on? It says he can become like an angel of light. So that means he can take on, he can make you think it's the voice of God telling you, oh, that's okay. It's okay. I know y'all are having an affair. You're reading the Word of God and you're praying. It's okay. That is a spirit talking to you, but it is not the Holy Spirit. There is a demonic spirit behind whatever your sin and whatever your idol is. How do you think Satan works? He speaks into your ear, and he can make it. The devil ain't going to ever appear in pointed ears and a pitchfork and a tail. He's going to show up with something that looks good, and it's going to appeal to you. And he's even going to lie to you and say, it's okay. It's okay. Nobody will know. One time. One time. That's all. It's okay. And he is a liar. And the truth is not in him. And he comes to steal, kill, and destroy everything that God wants to do in your life. We must be discerning. If you're not living for God and you've got sin in your life, do not trust your gut. Because the devil's at work and his voice is alive, whispering in your ear. Now, I can tell people many times, I would say, you're right with God, everything good in your life, you, you're living for God. I'm not saying perfect, but you're, you're striving for God, and you got sin on a short leash, and you're handling it. Yeah, you can trust your gut, because the Holy Spirit is guiding you. But if you're not living for God, and you've got something in your life that is estranging you from God, your husband, then you can't trust your gut, because there's somebody else around that is going around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, and he is looking to lie into your ear. That's exactly how he works. I'm just telling you this is a warning. And unfortunately, I'm telling it to you because I know it from my own life. But he will lie to you. He will tell you it's okay. And he will lie to you. Don't let Satan lie to you and tell you everything's okay. And that's God talking to you. That ain't God talking to you. All right? Whew, that's a hard one. Number four, last thing consequences this is even harder because guess what you've heard me say this before many people say well i just want to go out and i just want to have a good time 
I just want to live the way I want to live. And God's love, God's forgiveness, I'm forgiven, right? You take one little personality aspect of God, and that's how we want to paint him. God's love, it's all good. Everything's unicorns and rainbows, and there's no judgment, no kind of, you know. Listen, God is, a, God is love, but he's also a God of righteousness and a God of justice. And so he says, forgiveness, yeah, there's forgiveness all day long. Doesn't matter what sin you commit. King David, adultery, murder to cover it up, God forgave him, restored him to be a man after God's own heart. But guess what? David, the rest of his life had consequences. His, his house and his family was totally jacked up the rest of his life, messed up bad. And so he was forgiven. You can be forgiven of the sin, but very rarely will you escape the consequences. This is the hard part. Ezekiel 14.10 says this, And they shall bear their iniquity. You will bear your sin. The punishment of the prophet shall be the same as the punishment of the one who inquired. Brother Mark, why are you preaching so hard on the truth this morning? Because I don't want to bear your iniquity. I'm going to have enough trouble bearing my own iniquity. Now it's saying I'm going to be responsible if I stand up here and I don't tell you. Yeah? So, I'm sorry. I don't want your iniquity. I got to tell you the truth. Sin is sin. Don't justify it. All right? Uh, the, the word iniquity literally means the consequences of sin or the punishment of sin. God hates sin because he knows it leads to spiritual death. And you may say to me, well, where's the grace? Where is God's grace? God loves you so much. It is all about grace. God loves you so much he wants to forgive you and bring you out of this adulterous affair with whatever your idol is. It's because of grace and mercy that God has not judged you yet. And he simply says, I love you so much. It's as if you are the husband or the wife, and your husband or wife has committed adultery right out in front of everybody where everybody knows it. And you say, I know you did that. I know you committed that adulterous affair, but I love you so much. I'm going to forgive you, and I want you back, and I want to put this together. Even though you have embarrassed me, everybody here knows it. It's seen. It's public. Everybody knows it. But I love you. I'm going to forgive you, and I want to restore this relationship. That's how much God loves you. That he says, you committed this affair, but I love you so much. I'm willing to forgive it, set it aside. I love you so much. I'm going to set it aside because I want you back. How much love is that? How much forgiveness is that? Uh, his plan for you is good, and he wants to set you free, and he wants to bless you. It's not because he hates you. God wants you to come out of your sin not because he wants to kill your good time. He wants to free you and bless you because he knows the enemy will steal, kill, and destroy. Drugs makes you feel good for a time, but it eventually will kill every good thing in your life. Alcohol makes you feel good for a time, and it numbs the pain. But I'm here to tell you, over time, it will kill you and destroy you and every good thing in your life. Any of these things that we mention, overeating tastes good for a time, but it eventually will kill you. Amen? It's all something to us. I'm going to ask the band to come. If you would, bow your head and close your eyes. Father, I thank you that you are a good, good father. And I thank you, Lord, that you are trying to warn us not because you hate us. You're trying to warn us not because you want to kill our fun. 
But God, you want to bless us, God. And you want us to be blessed. You want us to have an abundant life. And you want our families to be good, godly families. And you want our families to honor you. And so, God, I just pray, God, you just have your will and your way. I don't know what everybody struggles with in this room, but you do. And so, Lord, I pray I'll be the first one today and say, Lord, forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of the idols that I put in my life. Forgive me of allowing my sin in my life. And, Lord, today I tell you today, I repent of my sins. God, help me. Help me, God. I want to put you back on the throne. If that's you today, you would say, Brother Mark, I need you to pray for me. I need to put the Lord back on the throne of my life. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to pray for you. Would you just lift up a hand if you would say, Brother Mark, pray for me. I need to put the Lord number one. Amen. Amen. Maybe today you'd say, Brother Mark, I'm not sure if I'm saved. I'm not sure if I'd go to heaven. We're going to sing in just a moment, and I want you to come forward, and I will show you how to give your heart and life to Christ. Maybe you'd say, Brother Mark, I need a church home. We would love to have you here. Maybe you'd say today, Brother Mark, I need to recommit my life to Christ. Maybe you just need to come and pray at this altar and just lay whatever your struggle is at the altar today at the feet of Jesus. Father, have your will and your way in this place today. Amen. Let's all stand. We're going to sing this song, and then at the end of this song, if you need to come, you come and uh, just lay it all at the altar.
Julie's going to continue to play. We're just going to have a moment of response. If you need to come to this altar, you need to pray, lay down whatever you're struggling with. No judgment, no condemnation. If you need somebody to pray with you, I would be honored to pray with you. If you need to come today and accept Christ into your heart for the first time, recommit yourself to Christ, join the church, whatever the Lord is leading you to do, uh, you come right now. Father, have your will, have your way in this place today. In Jesus' name, amen. Julie, sing. was hard to preach, but I hope it spoke to your heart. Amen. And uh, man, God's good. God is good to us. He's so merciful. He's so loving, kind, and good. So I'm going to remind you, uh, 2 o'clock, we have the life recovery class today, and then 6 o'clock tonight. If you want to come, we're having movie night. We'll be showing uh, season one, episode one of The Chosen, uh, and you can come and be with us tonight. Uh, at 6 o'clock, and uh, we'll only be here about an hour, so 6 to around 7, and then uh, you can climb home, all right? Uh, man, I hope that you have a great day. Yes, I did mention that earlier, but don't forget, Fall Festival Carnival, Wednesday, October 26th. Candy, if you can bring it, and I promise I will not eat it before that night, okay? All right, God bless you. Have a great rest of your day. You are dismissed. <laughs>